Good morning. We're very pleased that you're here. Uh, We're blessed to be gathered on the first day of the week uh, to worship our God. We were blessed to wake up this morning uh, to the pitter-patter of rain outside our windows, the rain for which we have prayed. God has sent our way. Uh, God is good. He blesses us in innumerable ways, and we ought to take this rain as a gift from Him. We've been asking for it, and God has delivered. Praise be to His name. We uh, are going to talk about many other reasons why we should praise God, why we should praise His Son, Jesus Christ, this morning. Our series to close out the year is called The Amazing, Marvelous Son of God. And we are looking at some amazing, marvelous truths about Jesus Christ, God's Son, and our Savior, our Lord, in the book of Colossians. And if you were here last week, you may remember taking a journey with me. It was a journey into the Palestinian village of Bethlehem. And as we came into Bethlehem, we walked past the shops and the homes, and we found ourselves in a stable. And the air was thick with the the odor of farm animals. And we looked across the stable, and we saw a young couple, and they were kneeling before a feeding trough. And we approached that feeding trough, and we looked inside, and there lay a tiny infant, a newborn, just a few hours old. And you may remember, if you were here last week, that we discovered that that infant, that baby, in that manger, is Jesus Christ. And that He is the supreme expression of God. God has revealed Himself to us in many ways throughout human history, and yet this baby who grew to be a man, who lived just 33 short years or so on this earth, who died a cruel death, This man was the ultimate revelation of who God is, of what God's all about, of His character. Do you still have that baby in your mind's eye? The baby sleeping there on a bed of hay? This week we're going to be reminded that that baby in that manger, he existed long before he was born of the Virgin Mary. His existence goes back long before he entered into this world in such a surprising way. I want us to look this morning at Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And I've got these verses up on the screen for you. But as always, I'm more than happy for you to grab your own copy of God's Word and go with me to Colossians, because that's where we're going to be camped out this morning. Now, this uh, this is some heavy stuff that Paul presents to us in these verses in Colossians. And this needs to be read slowly and carefully. It really is a mouthful here, what Paul is presenting. So let's get right into it, and then we'll come up for air, and we'll talk about what we can learn about Jesus from these verses. Read with me, church. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him, 
all things hold together. So, from these two verses, what can we learn about Jesus? Well, the short answer is a whole, whole lot. So let's start with this. When all things were created, he was there. So, he existed long before he came onto the scene of human history, born of a virgin, in flesh, in human form. He was there at creation. When the Father called light into existence, the Son was there. When the Father laid the foundations of the earth, the Son was there. When the Father separated the waters from the land, the Son was there. When the Father brought forth oak trees and almond shrubs and irises from the earth, the Son was there. When the Father fashioned humpback whales and hummingbirds and hippopotamuses, the Son was there. And when from the dust of the earth, the Father made man. And when from man's rib, the Father made woman, the Son was there. That's what Paul teaches us in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16. But what's more is this truth, that all things were created by Him or through Him. Now, when we see this little preposition by, it doesn't mean that Jesus is uh, the source or the origin of creation. It means by means of Him, or through Him, that Jesus is the agent of creation. The Father is the Creator, and He creates all things through or by means of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, this calls to mind Genesis 1-1, the very first verse of the entire Bible, where we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, what we learn here in Colossians doesn't rewrite the beginning of the Bible. It just reveals another detail about that creation. And so a new reading of Genesis 1-1 would go, the Father in the beginning created the heavens and the earth by means of the Son or through the Son. And so another layer is peeled back about what happened at creation, that it wasn't just the Father creating, that the Father was creating through the Son. This is amazing stuff that we're learning in Colossians. And by the way, Jesus Christ, we can learn from these verses, is not a created being. As some have taught through the years, especially in the early church, this was a false teaching, this was a heresy that the early church had to confront, that Jesus Christ was a created being, that the Father created Him. We can learn directly from the Scriptures that that's not the case. Because the Scriptures say the Father created all things through Christ. And if the Father created Jesus, it would mean that... uh, Well, the Scriptures say all things without exception. And so that means Jesus wasn't created. Because if Jesus was created, it it would mean that it wasn't all things created through Jesus. Everybody following me here? Jesus is not a created being. Because the Scriptures teach that all things were created by or through the Son. You see, that this this is heavy, weighty stuff that we're digging into this morning. Here's something else that we learn from verses 16 and 17. That all things not only were created through Him, all things were created for Him. Now what does that mean? That means that all creation, all things that have been made exist for His honor and His praise. Every mountain range, every ocean, every river and stream, every living creature, and yes, every human being exists for the honor and the praise and the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why the creation is here. That's what Paul tells us. 
that all things were created for Jesus. And one final thing, all things are held together in him. That means that Jesus Christ, and I don't know exactly how this works, but by faith I believe it to be true, that Jesus Christ is the sustainer of creation. That He ensures the ongoing existence of creation. That He is the glue that holds it all together. And so Paul here in these verses shares with us an often overlooked truth. And this is something that I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians included, neglect about Jesus. We forget about this. That Jesus Christ, that the Father carried out His creative work through the activity of the Son. That not only was Jesus there when the foundation of the earth was laid, but that Jesus played a role in the creation of all things. Amazing. Marvelous truth about Christ. And yet, it's not original to these verses in Colossians. We find this concept elsewhere in Scripture. Let me share with you some examples. John chapter 1, verse 3, the beginning of John's gospel. John says this, All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. There's that truth again. Not anything was made that was made without Jesus. He had a hand in creating everything that we see around us. All things were made through Him. I think we've got this one up on the screen. John chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made through Him. And as we move forward, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, another letter of Paul. Paul here talks about one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. In other words, the Father is, is the originator of creation. He's the source of creation, from whom are all things. And what else does Paul say? One Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things. God is the originator of creation. Christ is the agent of creation. Creation comes from God, but it comes through Christ and through whom we exist. And finally, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, the Hebrews writer talks about God's Son, and he refers to Him in this way. Through whom He created the world. God created the world through by means of His Son, Jesus Christ. And what's more, verse 3, He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So, the bottom line here is that the Father powerfully creates all things through the Son. And let me tell you, the Colossian church, the early Christians to whom Paul writes these truths that we have dug into so far this morning, they needed to hear it. Because they were being challenged in some ways that, well, these truths would have really spoken loudly and clearly and powerfully to them. In the book of Colossians, Paul repeatedly confronts a false teaching that faced the early church in this city. And many believe that this mysterious false teaching, it was being spread by some kind of spiritual guide. And he had attracted a following. He had some disciples. And this person... As we read the book of Colossians, we can surmise that he probably claimed to have some kind of 
superior insight into the, into the spiritual realm. And he was urging Christians to practice certain rituals in order to protect themselves against evil spirits. And we should notice that in the letter of Colossians, Paul doesn't minimize the threat of the powers of Satan. He doesn't say that you should stop worrying about evil forces in the world. They're a big deal. They're power, they were powerful then. They remain powerful today. Satan is at work in our world. He wields a lot of influences and his evil forces are at every moment trying to drag us into hell with Satan forever. And so they were powerful then, they're powerful today, and Paul does not try to minimize that, but listen to what he does instead. Instead, Paul, by emphasizing that Christ is the one through whom all things are made, by saying that Christ was before all things, that he didn't just originate when he was born of Mary, when he was laying in the manger, that he has existed throughout all eternity, by by establishing that here, he's declaring that Christ has supremacy over every evil power. Yes, the powers of evil, they, they wield a lot of influence, but let me tell you about somebody who's even more powerful, and it's Christ. And the reason that he's more powerful is that through him, everything was made. The reason that he's more powerful is that he existed before all things, and therefore, he's sovereign before, above all things. The Colossian church needed to hear this message. Does the Winchester church need to hear this truth as well? Do the Christians today living in this community need to hear that Christ, because he is before all things and because all things were created through him, that he has supremacy over all things? No matter what evil you face in your world, whether it's death or a disease like cancer or depression, or discouragement that you're facing, or temptation, or addiction. No matter what you face, you need to know this morning, and I want you to walk out of this building knowing this truth in your head and in your heart, that Christ has power over it because He came before it. That's what Paul is trying to say to the Colossians. Let me tell you, you don't need all these extra rituals and rites to protect yourself against the evil spirits that lurk about in our world. All you need is Christ. This false teaching was was calling into question the supremacy and the power of Christ. And Paul Paul is saying that Christ is all-sufficient. Christ has it handled, and all you need to do is abide in Him, trust in Him. He is enough because He came before all things. Because He had a hand in creating all things. Because in Him all things are held together. So you can face whatever you have to face in this world. You can counter whatever evil Satan throws in your way. Because you're a child of the one through whom all things were created. You're a disciple of the one who has supremacy and sovereignty over everything in this creation that was made through him. So far we've talked about The creation of all things that now exist. But the scriptures, they also speak of a second creation. One that has not yet occurred, but one that will in the future. God in the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, verse 17. These are the words of God. He says, Behold, 
I create a new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered. Fast forward to the New Testament. The last book, Revelation. Chapter 21, verse 1. This is John in his vision of heaven. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And we live in an age in which we look forward to the new creation that God will bring about at the end of time. He's promised it in His Holy Word that something new is coming, something new is on its way, and we, in our day and time, anticipate that and look forward to that with great eagerness. But let me tell you something. Did you know that you can enter into this new creation even before it fully arrives? You can get even more than a preview. You can become a part of it in the here and now, even as you wait for the fullness of it. Let me tell you this morning that God wants to bring us, you and me, into this new creation, into the new heavens and earth that He's going to bring about. And the way He wants to do it is by making us a new creation. He wants to, in the words of David, From Psalm 51, He wants to create in us a clean heart. He wants to restore a right spirit within us. There's the story of a businessman who had a warehouse property that he was looking to sell. And the building that he was going to sell, it had been empty for many months and it needed major repairs. Vandals had damaged the doors, smashed the windows, trash was strewn all over the floor inside And as this businessman showed the property to a prospective buyer, he took great pains uh, to say that he was going to replace those broken windows. He was going to bring in a crew to correct any structural damage. And he was going to clean out all the garbage that had been strewn over the floor. But the buyer said to him, just forget about the repairs. Because when I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I am only really interested in the site. God is not interested in fixing us up. He's not interested in renovating our lives. He doesn't want to reform us. He wants to transform us. Out of the nothingness of our sinful condition, He wants to make us brand new. The old life is over. The old person must be put away All he wants is the sight and permission to build something brand new, something way better than what existed before. And amazingly, and this is when it all comes full full circle, amazingly, Christ plays the same role in making us new, in making us a new creation, just as he did in the creation of all things that we learn about from Paul in Colossians 1. Here we go. We're made a new creation by means of Him, through Him, through Christ. Let me read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, then he is new. He's a new creation. And the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are only made new by the Father through Christ. Just as the Father made all things At the beginning of time, through Christ, so God, the Father, makes us new through or by means of Christ. Christ is the agent 
of the new creation that God wants to bring about in our lives. And here we go. We are made a new creation for Him. Not just through Him, but for Him. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, Peter says that in everything, God should be glorified through Jesus Christ. When God the Father makes us new through Christ, we are set apart for a very special purpose. It is God's intention that we spend our entire lives bringing glory and honor and praise to Him. We are set apart for this purpose. We are made new for the sake of Jesus Christ and His glory. And we are sustained in our newness in Him. Just as Christ mysteriously holds all things together and He's the glue that, that uh, keeps this creation together, Christ holds our lives together. He preserves us to the very end, to the day, uh, unto the day of the Lord. Christ is the one who keeps us secure for that day. And we join Him in this process. As we become new people, as we embrace Jesus Christ as our Lord, as we enter into a relationship with the Father through baptism, we have become new. And and yet the old way of life still tugs and pulls on us. It tries to drag us back into those same old sinful habits that we left behind, that we put away. And so one way that we make wise decisions as we go throughout our lives as Christians, when we face temptation, when we face big choices that we have to make, we need to ask ourselves, is this the new me or is this the old me? Does this characterize my new life in Christ? Does this reflect who I am as a new creation? Or would behaving in this way or would having this attitude or would speaking this word put me right back where I used to be? Back in the old me. The one before Jesus came along and made me brand new. And so this week, whatever you're facing, if if it's a challenge of any kind, if it's a decision, ask yourself, will doing this align myself with the new me that God has created? Or will I be placing myself back in my old shoes again, in the old man that Christ said I need to put away? So the Father carries out His work of making us a new creation through the activity of His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It's through Christ that we are made new. The the Father powerfully creates new life in us through the Son. And maybe, maybe you need some of that new life this morning. Let's back up from that. Maybe you are doubting whether or not God can actually make you new. Because you are keenly aware of all the oldness. All the places you've been that you shouldn't have been. All the thoughts you've had that you shouldn't have had. All the things you've done that you shouldn't have done. All of that oldness that doesn't characterize the new life that God invites us to. And maybe you've got to thinking, you know, God could never make me new. Because there's just too much old stuff to get rid of. Or maybe you have been made new and you've, you've embraced Christ and you've been baptized into His name, but maybe a lot of that old stuff still lingers and you're thinking, you know, I, when I was baptized, I believe in the, pro, in the promise that I could be a new creation, but it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't seem as if I am truly new. 
Is God ever going to get around to actually making me new? If you're questioning whether or not God really has the power to get rid of the old and to usher in the new, if you don't believe that it's possible, then I want you just to ask the prideful, legalistic, self-righteous, murderous man who wrote this book that we're reading out of this morning. The book of Colossians. If God can make him new through the power of Jesus Christ, then he can do the same for you. Do you need it? Do you need to be made new? Do you need to become a new creation this morning by taking on Christ in baptism? Do you need to be made new again? Listen, as long as there is breath in your lungs, as long as you have life on this earth, there is no limit to the number of times that you can come and be made new again. Once this life is over, your chances are done. But as long as you're here, you have the opportunity to follow Christ anew. And so if you've been made new once upon a time, but you've gotten back into old habits again, you can be renewed this morning. You can be restored. You can become as you were when you were baptized. Pure, white as snow, sinless. And some of you need to take that step this morning. Some of you need to come and you need to confess sin and and you need the prayers of this congregation. But what's most important is that you need the forgiveness of God in your life. Some of you have never made the decision to become a child of God. Some of you have never put away the old and become new. You've never received the gift of of new creation that God wants to bring into your life. What are you waiting on? Don't wait another day. Don't, Don't wait until next Sunday. Don't wait until the next hour. Do it right now. You've got the opportunity. We give you this opportunity every week. We sing a song to encourage you and to invite you to the best life that there is, the only life that can lead you to eternal life in God's presence. Would you take advantage of it this morning? Come and be made new as we stand and sing.